Hello, friendo. You know that feeling you get when you're around a good friend? There's nothing like it. It can make a bad day good and a good day great. I wanted to create a podcast that made me feel just like that. Every person has a story. And here in Friendo, we're going to celebrate them. I'm going to introduce you to fascinating people that will make us laugh, make us think, and inspire us. More than anything, this is a place where we can be ourselves. This is Friendo. When you think of a beautiful, mature woman, what do you picture? Is her skin slightly weathered? You know, only enough to show her age, but not enough to be considered old. Is her hair gray or colored? What does her lifestyle look like? I think about this a lot lately. I'll be 38 this year, by no means old, but I often wonder about my own fears of my worth as I age. Aging is a privilege that not all are afforded. I want to celebrate life as much as I can while I can. But what happens when people with a uterus start to get older? Well, perimenopause and menopause enter the chat. Now what? I could probably tell you like two things I know about this life change. And I also seem to know that it's just what happens. Like we're just supposed to deal with it, suffer, right? Maybe not. My guest today is Dr. Sarah Connors, an Indigenous naturopathic doctor and birth doula. This is Sarah's second visit to the podcast. Our last episode covered her work and passion on bridging Indigenous and Western health. If you want to give that a listen, bookmark episode five, and after you finish this episode, go back and listen. Today, we discuss aging and what we can expect when perimenopause and menopause occur, along with breaking some of the stigma around the cycle of our lives. Later in the episode, a Friendo community member shares her tip to start the day with ease. For this week's favorites, I share a bit about our March break experience and two things that are back in our lives that I'm positively thrilled about. I'm Amanda Muse, and this is Friendo. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Hi, Amanda. Great to be, I guess, great to be back would be the way to put it in this case. That's right. I should have said welcome back. I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you today. We had a great chat the last time just speaking about what you do for work and being a naturopathic doctor. And I know towards the end of that conversation, I was just like, we need to have you back. We need to talk about women's health. I want to talk about women and aging selfishly. I am a woman who is aging, so I'm curious. Um, but also, I mean, we're going to cover a lot of things today. I just noticed that like, I don't have a lot of people to ask these questions to. You know, I have a mom who had a hysterectomy quite early and my paternal grandmother had a hysterectomy. Pretty sure she didn't need one, but they were just like, you had an ache, it's coming out. So there's like not a lot of people for me to ask these questions to. And I realized I'm not alone on that. I thought I was like this solo, you know, in the world, not knowing how women age, but really there's just not a lot of information out there. So we're going to cover some ground today. Um, but specifically, I wanted to start with perimenopause. What exactly is it? Is it different from menopause? Let's just start there. Yeah, this is actually a really great place to start because technically they're one of those strange things that are the same and different. So when I say that, they're technically all part of the same process. So if we're looking at it from the standpoint of this is 
the end, so to speak, of our reproductive time in our life. And when I say reproductive, I'm kind of referring to what the medical establishment considers our reproductive years. Because from that definition standpoint, we're talking about when our period makes its appearance on the scene and makes our life oh so wonderful and joyful. (laughs) And then the years that we have in between where we can potentially, if we were to choose to, that was the case for us, we have the biological capacity to become pregnant and have children. So that's what we're talking about when I when I say from that medical definition of reproductive years. Um, and that, from my perspective, I include anyone who is, has reproductive capacity. So that could be a cis-heteronormative woman, that could be a trans um, individual, that we're starting to kind of understand, because there are more individuals who are realizing, hey, I want to have a family. And this is our family dynamic, right? So I like to try and include them as well um, in when I say that, because often, sadly, they just kind of get left out of the conversation. And it's similar too, even with when we're talking perimenopause and menopause. I'm well. really glad you brought that up because even as I was forming the questions, I don't have all the right terminology because it's still so new to my vocabulary. But I was like, wait, it's not just women who identify, it's not people who identify as women. It's a very... like. There's a lot of people who have a uterus and who are going to go through some changes. And so that is definitely, thank you for bringing that up because there are so many people that listen who, you know, or want to feel this is an inclusive conversation. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So then with actual perimenopause, what we're talking about is that, for lack of a better word, final <laughs> shift in our reproductive cycle in terms of what's termed the cessation of our reproductive years. So from the medical establishment standpoint, it means that you are biologically no longer able to carry children because your reproductive time is complete from a biological perspective. So perimenopause would be when you start to transition into that. So you're starting to see more of those hormonal shifts. You're starting to see, hey, I'm starting to notice things like all of a sudden I've got hot flashes. All of a sudden I've got night sweats. My skin's changing. My hair's changing. Um, My experience of sex is changing. All these kinds of things are starting to shift and change through that time period. So that would be considered perimenopause, but menopause is actually a really funny time because from a definition standpoint, again, menopause is the 12 months from when you had your last period. So that is technically the period that is considered menopause from a medical perspective. So it perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause is kind of this weird time in our life where you're in it, going through it, and then you're through it and you're done, which can just be like, I didn't even, I didn't even hear of the word postmenopause. So we're already learning things today. Yes. Jeez. (laughs) It's interesting too, because I think a lot of us, as we're going through, you know, for those of us who have had children, you know, and have daughters, I'm like, I think this might be happening to me while she's simultaneously starting it all, you know, and it's, it's kind of a time, but I'm, 
what I'm realizing too is just the importance of talking about it because it's sort of like, I mean, there's people in my life who have used terms like change of life. And I was like, what are we talking about? Like, I'm so not, is it, and then you don't want to ask because it's like, is it a taboo topic? Are we allowed to talk about this? So I had heard something too about perimenopause or menopause and women especially um, experiencing, I'm going to screw this up for people listening. I'm probably going to say women more than I need to, but we'll just be patient with me. But as you're going through it, like a lot of the symptoms can be similar to anxiety. Um, like, is, is there truth in that? Tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. Because what's happening as the hormones are shifting and changing, we t- sometimes forget, especially if we didn't have too many of those kinds of issues through the latter part of our reproductive years, we kind of forget how crazy things were when we were teenagers and into our early 20s. It's, it's you know, anywhere between 15 and 20 years removed <laughs> from our experience, right? So if you think back to when your period first started, you probably had, you felt more emotional. You felt um, at times, maybe you felt like you were more anxious or maybe you were feeling more uh, low mood and depressed. Every woman's experience can be different. And then if you're also, that's just part of your experience in terms of mood and having mood issues that you're working on, um, you're kind of outside of that. It can be amplified during perimenopause and menopause. So coming into perimenopause and menopause can very much mimic how you entered into your very first few years of having a period. Mm. Is there like an age range where this starts to happen? Yeah, from a from a uh, biological standpoint in terms of what the medical establishment focuses on is in and around our 40s is when they're like, yeah, you're probably entering into perimenopause. And that's usually where the conversation is. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> in the doctor's office. <laughs> like, great. It's like, yeah, you're probably in perimenopause. Yeah. You got a, a pamphlet or something? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so tell me. So when you, okay, you go into perimenopause, what are some of the symptoms that you might experience? So the most common tend to be what a lot of women complain about or what we kind of have in our minds decided this is the stereotypical image. So it's uh, hot flashes, night sweats, uh, possibly headaches, possibly anxiety and mood stuff, um, issues with your sleep. All It feels like all of a sudden your sleep's not as good as it used to be um, because it, that's partly due to the night's night sweats. Um, but it's the fact that your estrogen in particular, both are changing, but the estrogen more so is what seems to be the impact there because it's starting to shift and change. As in like going lower or? Mostly going lower. Okay. Yes. Is there a way to tre- like to test if you're in perimenopause? There is. You can definitely get your hormones checked. It's just a question of whether uh, your family doctor will actually be on board with doing that because it's not standard. Right. Isn't that wild? Like how many people are going to experience these things? Um, I have a friend of mine who does, I don't know her 
actual job title, but she does things like blood work and um, she'll, she goes to people's homes and takes like, she gives them the tests and like, I really know a lot about it, obviously, as I'm telling you, but she mentioned to me that there's like, you can, as Canadians, you know, we have access to certain uh, healthcare, but there's a test you can pay for that like goes through like all of your stuff, all of your blood work, all, and to test your hormones, to test all of this. I didn't even know that was available. I find too, from my personal experience, and here I am, so my kids are eight and 10, and they're sort of like these self-sufficient humans to a certain degree. You know, I'm not in that baby phase anymore. And now I get an ache and a pain and I'm like, I'm going to look into this actually. Like, I'm not just going to suffer through it. I have a little bit more time, but I almost feel like I don't know what to do. Like, how would someone, let's say, who's experiencing potentially perimenopausal or menopausal symptoms, like, is there an actionable thing you can do to feel better as you're going through this? Or are we just like trudging along? So love that you asked that because this is my biggest bone of contention (laughs) with menopause, but women's health is that we, even though we've come a far way from where we used to be, some would argue not far enough. And I would agree that not far enough, but you know, if we're comparing 2022 to say 1800, I'm sure 1800 Victorian woman would say, yeah, you've got it good girl. (laughs) Um, you know, like there's, there's some, there's some development in 200 years. I'll, I'll acquiesce to that. But, um, at the same time, this is, this is the thing we're still in this stage where the average woman, if you pulled them on the whole, don't understand their reproductive journey. So they don't understand what it means and what it looks like to start your period. They don't really understand what the in-between is, and they don't really have any clue or minimal clue to what perimenopause or menopause looks like. And we're still living in that fog where so few women understand that what one, what it is, and two, that it does not have to mean suffering and awfulness <laughs> to go through that stage of our development. That's a normal part of living in a body that goes through a chronological aging process. Just is. But it doesn't have to mean suffering. So it's you can talk to your nurse practitioner or doctor for sure. They may not have a lot to offer to you unless you're suffering hugely. Because basically what they're going to offer you is um, either the pill um, or I know. Really? <laughs> Isn't that for earlier on? Yeah. Wow. They will offer the pill in certain situations. Again, they're, they do their workup and everything like that. But that's one thing they may offer depending on your symptoms. The other one, which is used less often now, is hormone replacement therapy. Um, and so that's basically the two medical options. And then, of course, hysterectomy is another one. But again, that's it's generally approached a little bit more like, okay, this is there's some serious stuff going on here. This is in your best interest from your best outcome for health in terms of the hysterectomy. If you have a hysterectomy... Do you have symptoms of menopause or is it all gone because you've taken out all the bits? You can still have symptoms of menopause. Oh my God, how rude. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because essentially what you're doing is almost like flipping a switch into perimenopause menopause. 
There is a woman that I follow on the internet and she does talk about aging. She talks about like fashion and all of this for women, you know, 50 and older type of thing. But what I'm really curious about, that stuff is interesting too. But I just love how open she is about the conversation about aging and her experience in menopause. And, you know, she has like a top five things she needs. And it's like, um, you know, she has this little fan, which is hilarious. Like, I just need this fan in my life. I was telling my aunt, who is, you know, 20 years older than me going through menopause, like, hey, you might want this fan, you know, with these night sweats. Um, But little things she says, like, you know, talking to people in your life and and sharing with your partner and your children what you're going through. Because like you said earlier, like if you can remember back to when you first started getting your period, you know, what all of those emotions were like, it's hard to remember. I was like a wee child, you know, but just you feel like you're all over the place. And then it's like, oh, well, that's, that's okay because she's going through puberty and all of this stuff is happening. Well, we don't seem to have that same grace for women as we, or for people going through menopause as we get older. So that was a big one. Um, do you find that you're having conversations with people like that, like to share more? Or is it still a tricky thing for some people? I wouldn't say that for me, I find that, but it's talking to people in terms of the collective, that we're still as a collective not having enough conversations about it. And the fact that I teach webinars (laughs) to women, this is what menopause is. This is what's going on. And there's lots of requests for it. There's like, can we please talk about menopause? (laughs) Because we don't feel like we know it. We don't know. We don't understand it. And there hasn't been enough conversation about it. So it's as a collective, I think we don't have enough conversations about it and we need to. So when it comes to menopause and the questions that people have, I don't even know if I know all the questions people would have. So like the eggs stop producing, is this what's happening? Like I'm literally, I have a body and I don't even know. No, that's it. Most women don't. <laughs> like when did they <laughs> teach this? Don't. I don't remember. I don't think ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's um, technically you're actually born with all the eggs you're going to have. So even when you're like itty bitty cells, like way back, like technically your cells exist in your mom when your mom was in your grandma. That's so cool. So you just kind of like run out, you're done. Uh, Kind of, sort of, okay. kind of, sort of. So in the sense that at a certain point, so that perimenopause, menopause, is your body is no longer going through the cycle of selecting and preparing and releasing an egg to travel down the fallopian tube and into uh, the uterus with the intention of becoming um, fertilized and implanting as a potential next life form. Right. So you're not getting that lining buildup and then the shed. So what happens in there? Is it just like a clean vessel (laughs) once it's all done? (laughs) Not that it's unclean, but you know what I mean. (laughs) It's more just think of it almost like um, a factory, right? So instead of the factory just shutting down one day, like flicking the switch, all the lights go down, you know, we're closed for production. It's more of a gradual slowdown. So we're starting to lower our production levels. We're starting to just kind of slow down in that respect. And then eventually one day, that's when the lights just kind of go off. 
It's a little bit simplistic, but just to kind of help us wrap our head around something that's different. So then when it comes to something simple like like discharge, like vaginal, like all of that stuff, does that, uh, that would obviously change too, because I feel like that's so related to the cycle. Yes. So this is where vaginal dryness and complaints of discomfort with uh, sexual intercourse can become more common because some of the um, discharges that we have, a lot of the discharges that we have have to do with what stage of our cycle we're oh, in. Oh, like I could, at this age now, I could tell you what day I'm at. You know what I mean? From like, you t- you got the boobs and you got that and you're like, I know exactly where I am. And I'm actually really trying hard to teach my daughter to learn about that because I feel like I would have had a whole just a better understanding of my body as a young woman if I had had that little toolkit, you know? So, I mean, it seems like such a slap in the face. So here you're finally not going to get pregnant. (laughs) You can have all the sex you want and now it's uncomfortable. What? So like, are there things that people that can use to make it more comfortable? Absolutely. So this is where... And this is where a lot of women have a heart. I, I can't talk about it. Right. Um, but we need to talk about it yeah. <laughs> because you should still be able to enjoy um, having a sexual relationship if that's what you want right. to do. If that's what you want to do. Um, it shouldn't be, oh, well, it's uncomfortable. It's painful. I'm just, and that's unfortunately what a lot of women experience, right? It's like, I just, I don't even want to because it's not enjoyable. Right. And so things like lubrication can be really, really helpful. Um, So that can be a place to start. But then also, um, you know, in terms of the women I work with, this is where we'll often start to work on, okay, what are some of the things we can do from a nutritional perspective, Mm. from a herbal perspective, from a supplemental perspective to help to balance out your body and help your body balance better so you're not having this really horrid experience of going through perimenopause and menopause. So when you're when we're talking about these symptoms of, you know, potential discomfort, dryness, this type of stuff, is that forever or is it just during this menopausal period? That can depend. So it's different from woman to woman. And that's what I mean. That's like we have kind of this stereotypical picture of what menopause looks like, but menopause, perimenopause, postmenopause can look very different from one woman to the next. So for one, it may be, you know, that transition period from going from perimenopause to postmenopause. And then once they're one or two or three years in to their postmenopausal time period, then things kind of just stabilize. And for the most part, they feel pretty good. Um, They don't really have hot flashes anymore. They don't really have night sweats. And then there's the unfortunate few (laughs) where it just kind of keeps going. (laughs) So it's not one size Which is probably (laughs) why it's been... Well, for various things, patriarchy, but you know, there's, (laughs) but for, you know, when it's, it's so different, like I'm joking to my husband and I have a a hip that's hurting, but I'm actually convinced it's my ovary. And he's like, really? I'm like, trust me, I have researched the internet. I'm this, I'm pretty sure I know what's going on. It's always at this time of the month. and And he's like, Jesus lady, like you need to see a doctor, which I will. But it's not that easy. You know what I mean? Like people, they hear ovary and they're like, well, I'm scared of like, why are you talking about that? Like even my 52 year old husband, I keep reminding him about what certain things are. Like when does ov- ovulation actually occur? I'm like, sit down. Let me, 
Let me explain it to you. Like, but where would he have learned that? He's not taking notes. You know, I finally got him to track my cycle. But the reason I'm having these conversations now is because it's like, we have a daughter and she's going to be going through, you know, changes. And I want to support her and not make her feel embarrassed by these big changes. And then similarly, anticipate that I will also go through changes. I even sat my dad down. (laughs) who's like a bachelor in his 60s. And I was like, listen, dad, we're going to talk about this because you're going to be around, I'm sure, as I'm going through all this stuff. And you might have women in your life. And I don't want to hear you calling them crazy because they're going through things, you know? So even just like broaching the topic, right? And and I also just think changing the narrative, like, okay, this is a little segue, but have you seen the show Fleabag? Do you, have you heard of this show? I haven't okay. yet. Phoebe, can't remember her last name, incredibly written show, very like written by a woman about a woman. But there is one character in there who is a woman who's gone through menopause and she meets the main character and like kind of busts the myth about what a post-menopausal woman looks like. And I was just like, what? Like she's having all of the sex, doing all the things she wants to do, living her best damn life because her kids are grown. What? That's an option? Like, why isn't that narrative the one that we all, we get to hear, we get to think, we just think that, oh, sex is going to hurt and you're going to be cranky and have hot flashes and you're pretty much done because what's your purpose if you can't have babies anymore, which is not even what everybody wants, right? So it's like, yep, ugh, I don't want that to, I don't want that for myself. I don't think anyone in our age, in our age group wants that type of future, right? And how do we get to a place where there are more options? my little TED talk about (laughs) (laughs) but I just it's like very you know it's very it's very I'm very passionate about it because it's like I just we need more of those healthy conversations now question because you were mentioning you do these um workshops about menopause is this like to the public or is this within your community of doctors or how does that come about it's um Primarily to, because I, and I know for any, for anyone who didn't hear the previous um, episode, I do a lot of work with the indigenous communities as well. So um, I have been doing some work with them in terms of talking about those things, but I've also given that talk to the public um, in lots of other forums as well. So in health food stores when, you know, COVID wasn't a thing um, and we can <laughs> actually meet in person. And so, you know, getting, getting that information out there more as much as I can um, and through, through platforms like yours and, um, and then also talking about it on, um, on my own podcast as well. Um, so just trying to find all the different ways that we can get that conversation out there more widely, because like you said, unfortunately, most women don't realize that it doesn't have to be this misery and this time of feeling like, well, I'm just, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump away from uh, the deathbed. So here we yeah. go. Honestly, like we can live fulfilling lives and feel good and we have the right to feel good. And and I think too, like, you know, like not everybody has my situation where I don't really have people to ask because it was like forced menopause, but we may have people in our life who maybe are from a different generation and don't see, like don't talk to people about that or, you know, you just, you just live with it, 
this is your burden to carry or whatever. And it's like, no, there are other options. So if somebody was curious, like, could they work with you? Do they have to get a referral from a doctor? Can they just call you up and make an appointment? Like, how do people work with you? Absolutely. So you do not need a referral from anyone. (laughs) <laughs> to work with a naturopath. Um, so you can, uh, if you decide to reach out to me, you can reach out to me uh, through my website, um, which is just my name. So it's sarahconnorsnd.com. Um, and so that's probably the easiest way to connect with me. And then it's basically just booking an appointment so that we can sit down and chat and see what's going on. And then we can put together a comprehensive treatment plan to address what's going on for you. Because even though, like I said before, even though you're going through what every woman will eventually go through, your experience, your story is unique to you. So it's not going to be identical to the woman next to you, even if it happens to be your mom, your grandmother, your sister, your aunt, um, you know, it'll be similar, but they can still be very different. And that's the beautiful thing about naturopathic medicine is we do individualized treatment. So we really look at you as an individual and put all that together in a way that works for you. And I have a number of women in my practice that this is like, I hear this all the time. <laughs> like I work with pregnancy and birth too, but this is like, it's yeah. the journey. I'm glad you mentioned that because yes, it's not just women who are aging. You deal with women and I, I'm going to link the previous episode below um, and I'll make mention to it actually in the, probably in the intro. But yeah, it's just, to me, it's one of those things. It's like, I want to invest more into like understanding my body a bit better, um, you know, so that you can be on top of things. Cause I think if you kind of check in, I just had a conversation with someone about like checking in, um, to not ignore some of those things, right? It's like be aware of those symptoms, like be on top of it if you're feeling discomfort and just even if it seems minor, this is something I struggle with where it's like just a minor thing. And then I'm like, wait, my mom, about this stupid ovary hip thing. She's like, Amanda, you've been talking about this for like eight months. I'm like, really? Time goes so fast. You know, like when did that happen? But we just seem to have, some of us have a high pain threshold or we just kind of push it aside and move on to something else until we're like bleeding from a limb and then it seems more serious. So I appreciate um, this type of reminder because I think so many of us need it. And like Sarah had mentioned, I'm going to put all of your links below if anyone's curious to reach out to you. And uh, I know we'll have you back at some point because I just love talking about this stuff with you. So great. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me, Amanda. Amanda, it's Brie, and I wanted to let you know what I have been loving lately. So no one likes daylight savings time if you have kids, especially when you have to spring forward. But I've been setting my alarm for six o'clock and I have been going for a walk. And when I get back from my walk, the coffee is done. So I get to sit down with my coffee and my journal and I get to have a little me time before the kids wake up and the chaos begins. Now, I get that we're a week or is it two weeks out now from, okay, we'll go with 10 days. We'll settle in the middle from daylight savings. But this favorite came in last week as I was recording. And I just thought something that's so lovely about it is that little bit about taking a break before the chaos. Chaos is going to look different in each of our homes. And 
you know, if you're in the season of parenting with little children, or maybe you're a caregiver of some kind, or you have a big job that requires so much of your energy, you know, finding a way to take a little inhale, exhale before jumping into it just sounds delightful. And I was thinking, you know, last week in my favorites, I mentioned how much I love taking daily walks. And I've really been working on that. Even when I was away, I took a walk. Not many, but I took a walk. Um, I'll get to where I went because I realized that's maybe out of reference. Just stand by till my favorites show up. But taking a little moment to settle yourself, to ground yourself in ways that work for you and times that work for you, because I would love to be a morning person. I often say that when I grow up, I'm going to be a morning person, but it is just not in the cards for me right now. Maybe when I'm older, but I'm more of a nighttime person or maybe a midday person. All right. I think my peak time of day is like 11 a.m., but I find what I do is that before I jump into working and creativity and all of emails and, you know, all the things, I take some time to do a little workout. And like today it was a treadmill walk and and then I did a resistance band type of workout. So low impact. I wasn't super sweaty, but it felt nice to move my body. And that is definitely some something I like to do uh, before jumping into the chaos of life. And when it comes to morning routines, like, you know, it differs for us on a weekday versus a weekend kind of thing. But typically I wake up before most people and I just sit with my coffee because I just, I love this suggestion, Brie. It is such a wonderful way to start the day and, you know, help you focus on how you want your energy to be and maybe prevent some of that morning. I know I've used the word a few times, but chaos, because it can be a little wild in the mornings when you're scooping up lunches and trying to get children dressed and brush their teeth and all of the things. So thank you so much for your recommendation. I would also like to add that Bree is a longtime community member of the Amanda Muse family here. And Dean actually purchased one of her pieces of art. She made a special piece of watercolor because that is her her chosen art form. And it's this beautiful painting that Dean had done for when I hit 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. And it's hanging in my living room and I absolutely love it. So please give her a follow at Documented Journey on Instagram and on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it goes by the same name. Also, if you would like to have your recommendation featured, I would love for you to send me a voice memo at Amanda Muse on Instagram. So here we are, post-March break. Did you have a good one? Feels like the whole world was on holiday this past week. And it was nice to see some people actually taking a holiday to warm, sunny destinations. I can't wait till those type of adventures are back in my own life. But that's not quite in the cards just yet. So this week, what we did is, well, there's two big things that happened. One, I chopped all my hair off and I'm thrilled. Oh, It is like just, I needed it. I needed this big makeover situation and it feels wonderful. So there's that. So that I did on Wednesday and then Thursday, bright and early, myself and the kids popped ourselves into the car and we went on a little road trip. So I went to Ottawa, no surprise. In the past year, even 18 months, I have visited my siblings so much. It's shocking. Actually, I can't believe how much I visited them. It just goes to show you how things in life 
definitely get easier if you're a parent. So here we are, my kids are eight and 10. And it's like, we don't even really speak to each other the whole ride. I've got a book on, you know, an audio book or podcasts. The kids each have their own devices and they're doing their thing, watching movies, staying entertained. It's like a different world. Maybe they have a nap. Maybe they don't. And when we do stop for a little pit stop and a coffee break for mom, usually they rush me in and out of those on routes, which are little stops on the highway. Like you should see, they're like, let's go, mom. Like we're on a mission because the drive from my house, like from my door to my sister's door ends up being about six hours, I would say all in because with stopping, we stop once for lunch, pretty much once we get outside of Toronto and then uh, a potty break, you know, just before I get off the 401. And so anyway, it was lovely. Like road trips are totally fine. And I finished a book, but that's not why I'm here. I was going to talk to you just about how thrilling it is to go on little adventures. But furthermore, when we were in Ottawa, typically, you probably have experienced this too. You know, when you're visiting family, you really have to make an effort to make a plan if you're going to do something. Like if it's a short and sweet visit, I find it really easy just to stick around your host's home and visit and drink coffee and eat. And just like if you have children, the children are playing, like it's really convenient, right? So this particular visit, we did one night at my sister's, one night at my mom's, and then one night at my brother's. And it's funny because my sister lives the furthest of all of them. So we kind of like inched our way back closer to home, which made our home drive about an hour shorter, which was nice. Um, But it was nice because on Friday, you know, people had to work. And so since we were off, I took my kids into Ottawa. So actually downtown. The last time we went, we couldn't go downtown because there was the huge trucker convoy and it just like I was staying as far away as I could from the main city because it was just too much chaos. But it was so fun. So we went for lunch. Well, first we went to a museum. We actually went to the War Museum, which I know sounds a little intense, but it was quite beautiful, actually. A lot of really neat um, you know, trucks and and tanks and things that they use in war and really interesting to have that dialogue with my children, considering what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and talking about like these are actual, you know, medical trucks. And it just, it was really neat. Um, So it was cool to walk around there. Very nicely done. Now, of course, because my kids are eight and 10, we lasted you know, a solid hour. And then the complaints were strong and steady. So we bailed on the museum, did as much as we could. And then we went for a lovely lunch at a little brasserie on Spark Street, which is kind of a closed off street, about two blocks from Parliament Hill. And it's fun. I mean, everything's kind of closed. That's a weird thing when you're out in the world. And you have to tell me if you experience this too, but I noticed it when we were walking around downtown Toronto, that there's just like a lot of brick and mortars did not survive the pandemic. And there's a lot of shops that are empty, basically. So it's kind of weird to see that. Um, Anyway, so then because it's March break, like, I don't know if that impacts tourists in within Ottawa. But anyway, we went for lunch and it was so fun. It was so fun. So this is the second favorite. So the first favorite is just road trips and how it's exciting to get a change of scenery. And the second thing was eating out. So we go to this little pub and I'm like, if you know me, then you probably know like pub grub is one of my favorite foods to eat. It was just, I had a little half pint of beer because we were 
going to be walking around. And I had this delicious burger and the kids had yummy food. And I couldn't help but think to myself, how easy all of this is right now. And I sort of want that message to be shared because when I was in the throes of parenting like a four-year-old and a two-year-old, I had such a hard time imagining life where I wouldn't be sweating during every meal. And if we, you know what I mean? Like in a restaurant, it's just there's kids trying to get out of their seats. You're constantly trying to keep them distracted so that you can get like three bites of your own meal in. And it's just really interesting to be on the other side of this now where my kids are smack talking me and cracking me up and complaining because like it's not all roses and fairy tales, but it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And then once lunch was done, we walked the two blocks up to parliament and my children were like, why are we here? What's the point of this? (laughs) I mean, thrilling, thrilling for these humans, but I always find it quite beautiful to see those buildings. They're in so much You know, so many of the photos when you think of Canada, when you watch the Remembrance Day uh, celebrations on the television, it's all taken place in Ottawa. And it's just really nice to see it. So that was pretty neat. Um, I really enjoyed that. And then, you know, we went back and celebrated with my mom. And I say celebrated. We weren't celebrating anything, but we were just together and having dinner. and, And it was just we had a really fun time. It was a short visit, but... I'm always reminded why these visits are so important because my bo- my boys, what? Uh, my brother has three boys that are eight, six, and soon to be four. I guess they're seven, five, and three right now. Yeah, seven, five, three. So they're all, you know, really close in age. And it is just so delightful to show up at their house. And I'm like, bye kids. And I literally hardly talk to my children because they're just playing and so fun to have cousins within reach. And so, you know, I make this epic trip, six hours there, you know, I guess it was five hours home to ensure that, you know, my children are really close with their cousins and it's worth it every time. I'm like, that was awesome. However, I did come home on a Sunday And that meant that I didn't quite get to all of the chores that I like to do on the weekends. So I got to be honest with you. I'm recording this on Wednesday. I typically try to get my podcast uploaded a little sooner so that I'm not scrambling the day before (laughs) it's due. But it's like you just feel like you're chasing your tail a little bit because the laundry wasn't done. Nobody could find clothes they wanted Monday morning. It was just ridiculous. So I call it a wash. It is what it is. Just one slight impact, right? road trips, from taking time away. You can't do everything all the time. My final favorite for this week, thrilling in Ontario as of Monday, the 21st, we are no longer required to wear masks everywhere. I'm thrilled about this. Truth be told, though, I haven't actually gone anywhere yet, so I can't say what it's like to see people's faces again, but it's thrilling. I'm just like, I go pick up the kids from school and I don't have to wear a mask, which is amazing. So it feels freeing. Um, You know, my take on it is I'm respectful if people choose to wear a mask. I love that masks are an option. So, you know, if you do have a cold, if you are immunocompromised and you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, wear the mask. 
you know, I obviously, like you, have seen so many of these messages lately uh, where people are like, hey, reminder, don't shame people if they want to continue wearing masks. Let's be respectful. And I noticed that I had to have that conversation with my children. Well, one of my kids this week, because they were confused when they saw someone at school continuing to wear a mask. And it's like, hey, we just we let people do let, let them live their life the way they want to, you know, and um, but all of that to say is we are so excited to not wear the masks. I mean, we followed the rules. We did the vaccinations. We did the whole thing. And so to finally be at a place where you know, you're starting to eat out in restaurants again, and it's like normal. It's not just like a one-off. Um, you know, you're able to go out on these little holidays and uh, show up at a museum without booking a reservation. Like all of these things are thrilling to me. And I'm sure so many of you are feeling the same. Like it just feels this, I don't know, do you sense this buzzing? Like we're getting there we're recovering from this time, like it's coming, you know? And I know we're going to talk about this in a future episode, but I do just want to say that as much as we're coming out of this, we're all, we've all been impacted, right? And my hairstylist, Courtney, said it perfectly. She's like, everybody I talk to is a little messed up. And I really needed that reminder because sometimes I feel like I have everything together. And other times I'm like, nope, mm -mm. it's been a traumatic two years and I'm in recovery. So if you need a little longer or you still want to wear that mask, I mean, you do you, boo, right? Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation I had with Dr. Sarah Connors. I really enjoy her perspective. She has a very gentle approach to how she discusses things, but yet very firm in her beliefs, which... I respect. And uh, once again, if you have a favorite, you would like to be included in a feature. Once again, if you have a favorite that you would like to have included in a future episode, DM me on Instagram at Amanda Muse and leave me a little voice message. No need to be shy. It's just me. It's great. I really love hearing your voices. And tune in next week. I'll be sitting down with Jamie Scrimger and we're going to be talking about all the things, especially boundaries in social media and how she's been able to do that as a creator. Well, thanks for listening and I'll catch up with you next week. Friendo is produced by Amanda Muse with producer Dila Velasquez. Audio editing by Ali Ashbacker and Amanda Muse. Production and sound design by Rob Johnson. Can I ask a little favor? Can you share this podcast with a friend? It's the best way to help get Friendo into new ears. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Find me on Instagram daily at Amanda Muse, YouTube for weekly videos at Amanda Muse, and TikTok for some laughs at Muse Amanda. Thank you for listening and join me next week.